in Luke 19. We're going to begin in, uh, in chapter 18, actually, uh, at the end of chapter 18. Jesus had been ministering in Judea and Galilee for over three and a half years. Many had seen the miracles, and most of those that were coming now believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Not the Jews in town, not the Pharisees and Sadducees that were still leading the Jews in Jerusalem. They didn't believe. But the ones that had seen the miracles, that had seen what Jesus was doing, they recognized the power of God in his life. They recognized the fact the, fa the, the prophets of the Old Testament were right. They were correct in what was going to take place. They still didn't fully remember. They didn't fully understand what was going on because Jesus had told them multiple times, his disciples, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to be persecuted. They had all the scriptures that told them these things were going to happen, but they didn't believe it in their hearts. They were thinking, who could possibly kill the Messiah? How could that possibly happen? This is God in the flesh. There's no way that anyone is powerful enough uh, to kill him. So even his closest disciples weren't sure about what was going to happen. They followed by faith. They also saw that Jesus provided for everything that they needed. And so they were just following along, knowing that Jesus was going to meet every need. They weren't prepared for what was going to happen next. Today's message is titled, The King is Coming. Jesus reveals the future to his apostles in Luke uh, chapter 18. We're going to pick it up in verse 31, where it says, Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and all things that were written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. And they will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. Wow. How can you be so dense? <laughs> right? I, I mean, it, he wasn't speaking in a language they didn't understand. He was being very clear. This is what's going to happen. Something should have triggered. Hold on. Uh, Isaiah 53, what, you know, I, I, now I get it. Now I understand what's going on. Psalm 22, oh, that's what's going to happen. I understand these. They didn't get it. Their eyes weren't open because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Folks, we have the Holy Spirit. Our eyes 
hopefully are open. If the Bible, when you read it, is just a bunch of words and it has no meaning, it, when you read the Bible and it just feels like a history lesson for someone else, if you're, if you're thinking that, oh, well, this is nice for them, then you're missing the truth about the Word of God. The truth is, it means something to each one of us. It's the power of God to everyone who believes. And so believing isn't, uh, uh, um, I just, I believe, yeah, I believe. No, believing means that our life has changed. Because if I believe I'm going to get hit by a bus and it's going to mess me up, believe me, I'm not going to the Greyhound yard to hang out. I'm going to stay away from there because I don't want to get hit by a bus. So I'm going to act on what I believe. Well, the same thing with the scripture. When we read it, we can believe that it applies to us because it does. Jesus gave us everything that we need to know to have a relationship with him. Sometimes we make it really complicated. Sometimes we want to add to it. Well, I can do that, but I have to do this also. And I have to, uh, you know, I, I have to go to these places. I have to do certain things. I have to... Jesus has just come to me the way you are. Don't try to clean yourself up. If you try to clean yourself up, it's not going to work. You can scrub yourself with a Brillo pad. It's not going to get you clean enough for Jesus to receive you. You know, it's our hearts that are the problem. It's an attitude change in our hearts. And, you know, that's what makes all the difference. The disciples, the apostles, they love Jesus. They were with him. They love him. John, I love John's writings. He always refers to Jesus and himself as the disciple Jesus loved, right? He, he never says me, John. He always says the disciple that Jesus loved. That's each one of us. We can say the same thing, you know, and when we do, when we take that for ourselves, you know what, I'm, I'm, the one that Jesus loves, it changes our whole attitude about everything. When people don't agree with us and don't believe what we believe, we can say, but I'm the one that Jesus loves. <laughs> don't care what you think, but this is what I believe. And not only do I believe it, I know it to be true. Because when we have a relationship with Jesus, it's, it's alive. We know. You know, and that doesn't mean that he just blesses us with everything. Anytime we ask for something, it's just there in front of us. Oh, Lord, I need a limo to, to go shopping. Uh, so can you, it's not there. 
What happened? I asked for the wrong thing. And the apostles were used to asking for the wrong thing. They didn't have the same mind of Christ that he was trying to prepare them to have. And so this is one of those messages. I'm trying to get you to get to this point to realize this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die for you. And in three days, I'm coming back. I'm going to rise again from the dead. If they would have heard that message and actually believed it, they would have been excited, right? The tomb was guarded by Roman guards. Mary and her friends went to the tomb in the morning and it was open. You see, if they believed what Jesus said, they would have, they would have set up bleachers. They would have been waiting there outside the tomb to see what was going to happen. They didn't believe because they didn't know. And they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. Let's go to chapter 19. We're going to pick it up there in verse 29. So Jesus now was going to be coming into the city and it came to pass when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called Olivet that he sent two of his disciples saying go into the village opposite you where as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat loose it and bring it here and if anyone asks you why are you loosing it thus you shall say to him because the Lord has need of it so here they are, they're being told what to do, and what do disciples do when they're told what to do? They obey. We have a whole Bible full of stuff that we're told what to do and how to do it. All we're called to do is obey, to listen to what God has prepared for us and then follow and apply it, do it, and then we can see his hand in what he's doing. And so those who were sent went their way and found it just as he has said to them. It wasn't a surprise because he told them this is what was going to happen. You go there and there's going to be a colt tied there. You go there and you go get him. But as they were loosening the colt, the owners of it said, why are you loosing the colt? Jesus already knew this. This goes back to the idea that he is God. He already knows the future. He knows what's going to be said. He knows what has to be said to accomplish his full plan. And they said, the Lord has need of him. That was it. That's what he said to do. And that's what they did. And guess what? Now, everything is in motion Whoever these guys were, we don't know who the owners were. We're not given those details. But all we know is they gave the secret passage 
the Lord has need of him. And they said, go ahead, take him. They knew. Maybe the Lord spoke to them in a dream and said, you know, if someone comes and says this, give him the donkey. But we, we aren't given that level of detail. See, 500 years earlier, Zechariah, the prophet, wrote in Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. And he is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And Jesus was now fulfilling this prophecy exactly as it was written. The donkey was a colt, meaning it was a male, and it was a young male, probably never ridden before. I'm, I'm sure it wasn't. The term for the donkey was onager, which is a wild donkey. And so here is this onager, never ridden before, this wild donkey tied up, and now they're just going to take it. That in and of itself was amazing, that they were able to untie this donkey and bring it with them, and the donkey obeyed. We've seen donkeys before and how they act. And if they don't want to do something, you're going to have to have something really amazing to get them to obey. I remember our friend's donkey when they brought them to the church, uh, brought them to the church. The next thing you know, donkey said, I don't want to be here. No one could stop it. It went all the way home. And, and and no one could do anything about it. There was no stopping the donkey. It it was like okay, well that that ruined that plan, you know. We were you know Jesus wasn't going to get on him, but someone was thinking about it. So the disciples weren't even sure what was going to happen with the colt. John recalls this in John twelve sixteen. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. And so they figured it out after the Holy Spirit revealed to them what was happening. They figured it out. We, 2,000 years later, have the same Holy Spirit he has the same information, right? This is the word of God provided to us by the Holy Spirit. And today we have the same information, but we also have the Holy Spirit that gives us under... This is important. You can read scripture and not understand what it means. And that would cause you to, oh, I'm just going to stop. I don't understand what this, don't stop. Keep reading. Because one day, the Holy Spirit will let you know what it means. One day, something will happen, and all of a sudden, that scripture will just pop up in your head. Oh, 
That's what it means. But if you didn't read it, you're not going to know. There's nothing there to make you aware of what the scripture says, what the scripture means. And so read it. Read all the scripture. Even the stuff like, uh, you know, I'm in Exodus right now, reading through Exodus and my devotional. And sometimes it's like these idiots, they, they don't realize how good they have it, you know, whining about, oh, you know, manna, what is, we don't want manna anymore. You know, realize how good they had it. Their clothes weren't wearing out. Their shoes weren't wearing out. They were just uh, oblivious to the work of God, the miracles that he was doing day by day. And, and so, you know, here these apostles are walking with Jesus and they're watching him do all these miracles can you imagine as they walked around, entering into the town, everybody's coming, oh, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, you know, and they're like, well, it's us too, we're here, you know, we're, we're with Jesus, I'm his best friend, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, that could be kind of deflating, and sometimes we get that way when Jesus is getting credit for everything, give him credit. He deserves every bit of it because we have, not, you know, if there's anything you like about a message that I give, it's because of Jesus. It's not because of me. And so whenever we share the love of God and the message from Jesus with anyone in the world, if they like, wow, that really spoke to me. That's really good. Dismount. <laughs> Get off the high horse, quick, quick, and, and just give the glory to Jesus because, you know, a, a lot of times we can take, you know, credit for things. We can get prideful, and it just destroys our ministry. It destroys our testimony, and it, it, it's all because of him. And so as he's getting ready to ride into town... The, the apostles are doing whatever. I think they've learned after three and a half years, do whatever he says, and we come out looking good, <laughs> right? And, and so that's what they're doing here uh, as they get. And so they brought him, in verse 35, they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And he went, uh, as he went, many spread their clothes on the road, uh, now, get this. This is what they do for kings, royalty, okay? Uh, they put their own clothes. My clothes, th this may be the only clothes that I have. I'm going to throw it on this smelly donkey, and, you know, they're, they're gonna, and now it's going to have donkey hair on it and everything, and going to have to send it to the laundromat. And, and so then they put Jesus on it, on him to ride that donkey and, and people are throwing their clothes on the ground. It's a sign of royalty. You, the, the king rides into town and it doesn't, the donkey that he's on doesn't even touch the ground. It, it walks on palm leaves and, and clothing, whatever they had to stop 
to protect the donkey from touching the ground. The sign of a king riding into a town on a donkey was a sign of peace. It meant peace. If he's riding in on a horse, on a stallion, it's victory. It's conquering. I've conquered the city. I'm coming in as a conqueror. But Jesus was riding in on a donkey. He's riding in in peace. And so they can see that there's no threat here. We're excited. Our king is here. He's coming to bring peace. And then he was drawing near to the descent of the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. These are all the people that had seen the miracles. And now they're praising God. They're rejoicing, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And so here's this big celebration. All these people gathered around. There was another miracle that was taking place at that very moment. They probably didn't even recognize it. Jesus is riding on an untrained animal. They put him on, and donkeys don't like people on their backs, especially when they're first the first time someone gets on a donkey's back, it's humorous. That donkey will kick and buck and do everything possible to get that human off his back. But here, the donkey is doing nothing. It's another supernatural evidence of the power Jesus has over everything. And so... Here he is getting on the back of the donkey and he's walking in. The people are now lined in the Kidron Valley. From the Mount of Olives, Mount Olivet, that's there, from the place that Jesus was riding into, it was this little wash. It's a little valley. It just goes like this and it comes right back up again. There's a little creek that runs through it, the Kidron Creek that runs through that valley. It wasn't a big flowing river. And so at times it's even dry. And so as Jesus was riding down there, there were people lining this valley. When you come up on the other side of the Kidron Valley, you come to the east gate of the temple. Back then it was open. Today it's not open anymore. It's all sealed up. The Arabs have planted a graveyard in front of the East Gate. There are graves, Arab graves, all along on the front of um, the, uh, the, the wall there. Why? Because Jews won't cross a graveyard like that to go through into the gate. They can't touch dead people they can't touch. It would make them unclean. So now they're not able to go into the Temple Mount because of the fact that they'd have to cross through this graveyard to get there. They would be unclean. So the Arabs did that thinking their Messiah can't come now 
because there's no way for him to come through that graveyard and, and come onto the temple mount and be clean. He, he would be defiled. You see, that's human mentality. But at this point, those gates are open. And Jesus was writing down the Kidron Valley. All these people were singing and praising him as he was coming into the valley. It, Zechariah 9.10 tells us what they thought was going to happen. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak to the nations and his dominion shall be from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. Zechariah was prophesying that when the Messiah comes in, everything will be set right. He will bring peace and the enemies of Jerusalem would be wiped out. That's what they thought was happening. That's why they were crying out. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They didn't realize that that prophecy isn't going to happen until he comes again. And then when he comes again, that prophecy will be fulfilled. It's easy for us to understand thousands of years later. We understand because the scriptures are open to us today because we have the Holy Spirit and we understand what's taking place. Back in verse 39, and some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd saying, teacher, rebuke your disciples. So they were mad because the disciples were calling him the Messiah. And he said and answered to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. That would have been cool. I wish they would have shut up <laughs> just so we could have heard that, right? But, you know, they were continuing to praise him. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. That word wept wasn't just a little tear coming down. He, he had tears just flowing down his face. He was weeping uncontrollably as he was now approaching the city. And then he said, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you and surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in it you uh, in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation and so there is Jesus entering in he's coming up to the Temple Mount, and they're completely unaware of what he was doing. He said, if you only knew the time of your visitation, do we recognize the time of our visitation? Do we recognize what's happening in the world today? And look at it and say, 
It's prophecy. You see, they didn't recognize the prophecy that was told to them by Zechariah, by Isaiah, by David. They didn't recognize those prophecies back then. Or they didn't want to. They chose not to believe. They chose to believe it was all going to be okay. If we thought it was going to be okay, the news would be much different when we watched the news channels, wouldn't it? The news would show us something a little more promising, but there is no promising news out there. The promising news comes from here, in the Word of God. That's where the promising news comes from. And so the world out there is blind to the good news, to the gospel, to the message that we believe and the prophecies that we believe that are still going to take place. Why? Because God said that's what was going to happen. And so we are preparing ourselves for what's going to take place next. I pray we are preparing ourselves for what's going to take place next. Not hunkering down, not storing up stuff for the next six years or whatever the case may be. That's not what I mean by preparing. See, we can prepare physically all we want, but if the Lord returns today, are we prepared spiritually for his arrival? The problem is there are many believers who are not. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to go to heaven. Those that have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will go to heaven. But do you want to go saying, I wish I would have done a little more? I don't think we're really going to say that. Once we get to heaven, we're going to be like, oh, I never expected this. I didn't think this is what it was going to be like. This is amazing. But will the Lord give us just one moment to regret the fact that we didn't bring just one more person? That we didn't share with our neighbor, someone at, at the person that cut us off at Safeway and you know, did we share with them the love of Jesus? I don't mean you have to go into a whole gospel message. Just be Jesus to them. Just love them. And, you know, be grateful for the fact that you're there getting what you want. And all right, you may be three minutes late later than what you had planned. But you know what? God has blessed us with something so great. Can we just spend one moment sharing that joy that we have, that peace that we have? Can we share it with someone and let them know? Is Jesus your king today? I pray he is. If not, today is the day of salvation. You see, we don't need a special ceremony 
to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It happens here. Not in front of the stage, not by raised hands. It happens in the heart. When people make a commitment to Jesus saying, I believe and I want to follow Jesus, that's all that's necessary to be saved. You folks online, if you're watching this and you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's no special program to do that. It says that we just have to invite him in and then repent. Repenting means turning 180 degrees from what we were doing before to seeking him and following after him. Folks, I hope that each one of you have made that decision because the king is coming. He's going to be here soon. And so we should be prepared for when he arrives. We should be able to be excited about that moment. And I know many of us are, but if you have any doubts, now's a great time to get rid of them. 